pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. My advice to everyone out there who's frustrated, sad, angry, pissed off, feel those emotions, go to a kickboxing class, have a margarita, do whatever you need to do this weekend. We've arrived at a great moment in time. Yeah. intersections of space and time. Guess what time it is? It's Friday! <laughs> Jack Riccardi, 4 till 7, News Talk 550, KTSA, and FM 1071. KTSA News Time is 4.06. Good afternoon. We made it to Friday. Welcome to our dreadful little show. And join me on the radio at 210 599-5555. I, I don't go to Twitter a lot because I, I think Twitter is a, a cesspool, but I, I, I go when I have to for the things that I have to do. And I was posting uh, my Jack Riccardi Just a Minute video this afternoon, and there was a post from Dana Perino from Fox News because I follow her, so she was in my Twitter feed. And Dana had posted a photograph. If you haven't already seen it, you're going to see it tonight. It's probably the most shared photograph of the week. It is the gathering of New York City police officers and probably police officers from all over the tri-state area who were in uh, New York City in Midtown Manhattan today for the funeral of New York police officer Jason Rivera. And this street shot is literally... Men in blue, men and women in blue, as far as the eye can see, going all the way down the street. You you probably have never seen a picture like this. I've never seen so many law enforcement people in one place. But we know from funerals that have happened here, uh, like the Ben Marco funeral some years ago, that when a, when an officer is is killed in the line of duty, it is important and it is meaningful for as many people in law enforcement to come to that service or come to that funeral, even if they can't get into the church, they... They want to be there, or they want to be along the route, or they want to be in the the procession. Um, this photograph was incredible. And um, the service was at St. Patrick's Cathedral, which if you've ever been to New York City, you perhaps have visited St. Patrick's Cathedral. It is an awe-inspiring church. And it was full, and it is big. And it was full. And yet, and the thing about St. Patrick's is um, you you can hear a pin drop in there because of the, the um, acoustics. But when the widow of Jason Rivera stood up, her name is Dominique, and spoke, and she spoke about growing up with him and his being the love of her life and his death, a week ago, at the age of 22, he and his off and his uh, partner both killed, responding to a domestic violence call. 
She said, the system continues to fail us. We are not safe anymore. And she said it. She said her husband was tired of these laws, was tired of this new district attorney in Manhattan, Alvin Bragg. And he's the one who said on day one that he would be prosecuting fewer criminals and applying less stringent prosecution for certain crimes. And he's tried to walk back some of those things, and he's trying today to say that he's going to be tough with people that kill police officers. But he has sent a message, and she told us today that the street has heard the message that Alvin Bragg sent. So I'm looking at all this, and I'm looking at this picture, and I had listened to the remarks of Mrs. Rivera. And then I looked, and I shouldn't have done it. I started looking at the comments under Dana Perino's photograph. And you know that most of the most of the comments under her photograph were about how these were, uh, I've never seen so many pigs in one picture, a guy wrote. And a lot of people commented that the police officers weren't wearing masks. And then one woman wanted to know, well, who's paying for all this? I guess she assumes that these are all on-duty police officers. And I could sit here today and tell you that this is what's wrong with the country and this is why police officers are getting killed. But I'm going to tell you something very different because this is what I really believe. And you may, you may disagree, and we can disagree for, in, a, in an open way on the air if you'd like to. But I, I looked at these Twitter comments, and I didn't take from it that this is where our country is going or this is what Americans think of police officers. You know what I think? I think Twitter is where losers go. Twitter is where losers hang out all day and comment and trade comments and pat each other on the back and try to see how many looks and likes and licks and whatever the hell it is you get. And it it actually reinforced for me, we've got to stop looking at the wrong things. If we want to know where we're going, we need to look out the front windshield of the car because that's where we're going. Dominique Rivera is where we're going. The people who elected Eric Adams in New York are where we're going. The people who elected Glenn Youngkin are where we're going. The people that are going to school board meetings and speaking up is where we're going. Asian Americans who for the first time in their history in this country are becoming politically active and putting their foot down and saying, we will not be discriminated against because our kids do their damn homework. That's where we're going. But we too often, and I'm guilty of it, and the media are guilty of it, and the cables are really guilty of it, we focus on these Twitterverse comments and this, this, this alternate universe of Internet trolls, and they're not who we are. That street scene in New York City today is who we are. And I want everyone who works in law enforcement to know that we know that, and we need to remind them of that if they're dispirited as they do get in times like these. We'll play some of her remarks coming up. They were very powerful. We seem to have gone back in time a little bit. I saw a picture of the mayor of Chicago, Lori Lightfoot, with a bunch of cash. In fact, she had used, I'm not making this up, she she had used uh, dollar bills, or I don't know what denomination they were, maybe they were fives or tens. She had um, taken a picture in her office, and she had uh, written out on the floor of her office in dollar bills uh, that if you get vaccinated, they'll pay you. Are we back to that again? 
The new the new push is in-home vaccination. Uh, Chicago has people that will come to your home and make a house call with the vaccine, and they'll pay you. So they will pay you and come to your home. I wonder if you can get them to do a few, do some do some vacuuming or dusting while they're there. I mean, what is happening here? Either this is a good idea or it's not. Every time you do this kind of gimmicky carnival barker, step right up, we've got some money. All it says to me is this isn't the real deal. There's something fishy about this. I wasn't born yesterday, you know. What's the old saying? I didn't just fall off the turnip truck. I, when I see this kind of push on something, I, it makes me suspicious of it. Can they not see that? Is that not obvious? And, of course, we're trying to get people to get the vaccine because that's 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 in their best interest, right? That's their in their best health interest. I, I read today that Instagram is banning a company that was promoting healthy eating. Now, try to follow this. A company that was banning healthy eating because it would promote negative self-perception. The ads were about how if you want to be healthier and you want to lose weight and you want to eat more healthy, you've got to, you've got to do it with your brain. And that's absolutely true, and I am living proof of that. But Instagram's parent company, Meta, said the ads were pulled because it might make people feel bad. People that have ADHD or, or are obese or both. It might make them feel bad. So help me understand. We're throwing money at people because we care about their health. But we can't tell them what we know about their health because it might make them feel bad. Does that make sense? You, you with me on that? 210-599-5555. Adam Carolla said something interesting. And not that that's rare. He says a lot of things that are interesting. But comedian and podcaster uh, Adam Carolla was uh, talking about Joe Rogan. Now, everybody's ranting these days about how dangerous Joe Rogan and people like him are. And they can't be trusted. And they can't even be heard because they promote disinformation or misinformation. I, I, you've heard me say this. I, I think what they are doing is twofold. I think they're asking questions many people have but don't have a platform to ask. And I think they're pushing back and testing voices of authority, which is a, a thoroughly American thing to do. So in our society of free speech, when you proclaim something, you should be prepared to have it questioned or tested. And that's okay. That's a feature of American life, not a bug. That's what I think Rogan does, and, and very entertainingly, if you look at the numbers. So Adam Carolla was talking about this, and he said, think about what all these idiots are saying. They're worried about misinformation. What have you guys been right about? He said, I'd put Joe Rogan's batting average up against CNN's batting average any day of the week. Couldn't have said it better. You know, when it comes to COVID-19, nobody's batting a 1,000. 
And I thought Dr. McCary on our show yesterday said a very profound thing. He said people want humility. They want even the experts to admit what they don't know. And maybe even to come clean on what they were wrong about. Because going forward, how can you ever trust them again if they don't clean up what they got wrong and admit that they did? And we would be, we would not be any better off if we were not asking these questions. We would not be better off if we did not ask the questions. They wouldn't be more right. They wouldn't be more accurate. It wouldn't make them more trustworthy. And this is what we've always done. They say Missouri is the show me state, but actually we're the show me country, or we always have been. So I do think that's part of what they hate, is uh, when they talk about misinformation, they're projecting a little bit. And I think what they're really worried about is differing points of view. You know, they're not, they're not completely in control of the conversation. They've spent a lot of money and they've put in a lot of effort and they've built up a lot of technology to be in complete control of the conversation and it galls them that somebody using their technology is doing it better than them and horning in on the conversation. But we need more of that. We need more of that, I think. It was a week ago that officers Jason Rivera and Wilbert Mora were responding to a domestic call and were shot and killed. Jason Rivera was a police officer, only 22 years old. He was posthumously promoted to Detective First Grade, so that's why today you hear him referred to as Detective Mora, who was shot in the head. Today at St. Patrick's Cathedral in Midtown Manhattan, his widow, who looked so young that I'm, I imagine a lot of people tuning in on the television thought maybe that was his daughter, but this is his widow, Dominique, spoke these words in the cathedral. Jason is so happy right now that all of you are here. Through pain and sorrow, this is exactly how he would have wanted to be remembered. Like a true hero. Or like I used to call him, Big P.O. Rivera. You have the whole nation on gridlock. And although you won't be here anymore, I want you to live through me. The system continues to fail us. We are not safe anymore. Not even the members of the service. I know you were tired of these laws, especially the ones from the new DA. I hope he's watching you speak through me right now. I'm sure all of our blue family is tired too. But I promise, we promise, that your death won't be in vain. I love you to the end of time. We'll take the watch from here. Mm. I, I, I just, I want to say this and I, I believe it and maybe I'm wrong and you can tell me if you think I am. Um, but I think most of us appreciate the people that put on those uniforms every day and run toward danger, not away from it, and get between us 
and these elements and uh, and I I I think there is a huge mythology growing in our country that somehow we have mixed feelings about law enforcement or somehow we've fallen out of uh, love or appreciation for I I don't I don't find that to be true maybe I live in a bubble but I talk to a lot of people not just on the radio either and I have friends and I have associates that are a very different political persuasions, but everybody appreciates what these men and women do. And I think we've given too much voice and too much time to the very small minority of people that want to defund them, want to run them down. And it, it, it clicked for me when I saw these ridiculous Twitter comments from these attention-seeking Internet whores because that's not who that that's not representative of who we are and this is a bigger problem twitter is not the real world the internet the the comments you get on facebook and i know some of you love this you love to say stuff and put stuff on your facebook or your instagram and then have these all night you know flame wars with people that you disagree with but I, you need to know your trolls, while they may be entertaining, they're not representative of the country. That's not who's out there. And today, let's think about the people that weren't outside St. Patrick's Cathedral. They were at work. They were at school. They were in their homes and their apartments all over New York. And I think the vast majority of them had a heart for Dominique and Jason and are grieving with them. I think I'm right about that. I hope I'm right about that. 210-599-5555. And and again, if we could stop seeing each other through the filter of the Twitterverse, I, I, I don't think it's any coincidence that the cheese started sliding off the cracker in this society when that stuff became prominent and, and prevalent. And maybe... Who knows? Maybe that's why. <laughs> okay. Jason LaConfora at CBSSports.com. Just reporting numerous sources close to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers believe that uh, quarterback Tom Brady is about to retire from the game with a formal announcement expected shortly. Uh, his reporting goes on. Several sources within Brady's inner circle anticipate he will most likely reveal his plans in the coming days. Goes on to say that Brady understands that uh, he shouldn't upstage the Super Bowl, which is two weeks from Sunday, nor should he wait till after the Super Bowl with the scouting combine, and so they think the announcement will be sooner rather than later. I, I don't know. I mean, this guy knows his sports, but I, I still, my prediction is that Brady's going to come back for another year, and I still think he is. Yesterday we were talking about uh, stuff you do that people think is old-fashioned. I got this, uh, somebody sent me this Internet meme if we all just switched to cursive writing and stick shift cars, we could cripple an entire generation. That's so true. That's so true. I've seen signs. Have you seen signs now at valet parking stands where they they don't they won't park uh, manual transmission cars because the, the 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 guys at the valet station don't know how to drive them. That's I guess that's a practice. I don't have a stick shift, but I guess if you have a manual shift car, you can't you can't valet park. 
Remember when um, it was an impeachable offense for President Trump to have a phone call with the uh, president of Ukraine? Well, there's reporting today that the conversation between President Biden and President Zelensky did not go well. Uh, the, the, the characterization of the call on CNN with Jake Tapper was that the call did not go well. And that Biden told Zelensky the Russians are almost certainly going to invade. And that Zelensky told Biden, I'm the one who's here and I know what I'm talking about and you don't and it didn't go well. That's what they're saying. But here's my point. I wonder if the CNNs of the world are trying as hard to get the transcript as they did to get the transcript of Trump's call. Trump's call's transcript was leaked by the whistleblower. Where's the whistleblower now? And remember how brave it was to be the whistleblower and how admirable and heroic and what service you've rendered to our country. And where, where is all that now? It's the same country. It's just a different president. So let's talk about this because... I have kind of a, I don't know if you'd call it a litmus test or a mental exercise. You know, when you become a parent, um, it changes your, it changes you and it changes the way you look at a lot of things. And not that my daughter is likely to go into the military. I, I don't know that she will or won't, but I don't, it doesn't look likely at this point. But I've, I've come to think about our military. This way, if you want to make a decision, if you want to declare war, if you want to send in the troops, if you want to move troops toward harm's way or into harm's way, or you want to deploy more troops to a particular place or put them on standby or or rattle the saber in some other way, and I don't just mean land forces, I mean all of it, you should be able to explain as a, to a mother or a father why this is important. I'm not saying that it's never the right thing to do, and we have an all-volunteer military, so if you are the parent of a service member, they joined, many of them with alacrity, and, and they, they are not afraid to do the work and, and face the enemy and fight the battle, and I'm not saying that. But you need to be able to explain what you're doing. You need to be able to tell that mother or father why this is important. And I don't think our politicians on either side are speaking seriously about this Ukraine thing. At least not publicly. We're not having serious discussions about it. We're having slogan contests. We're having the usual suspects. Republicans are doing what you'd expect them to do in this situation. Democrats are doing what you'd expect them to do in this situation. But that test is being failed. Everyone says only Putin knows what he wants to do with those troops that he has on the Ukrainian border. But what if he's already done what he wanted to do? Because what if this isn't actually about Ukraine as much as it is about NATO? In other words, the battle may already have been fought. Consider that without firing a bullet and without crossing that border, Putin and his soldiers have busted up the NATO alliance. They've broken it. 
Now, whatever you think of NATO today, NATO was a successful accomplishment after World War II. Its purpose was to deter the Soviets from expanding their empire out of Eastern Europe into Central and Western Europe. And the only way we could think to do that was to form a sort of co-op where there would be collective action organized by and mainly made up of U.S. forces. The Soviets needed to believe that we were serious about defending Europe and that NATO members believed we were serious about it. Does that make sense? And that's that's what the marriage of the U.S. and Europe was in NATO. It's it's really not an alliance as much as it is kind of a kind of a, a, a protective umbrella. Because if it was just an alliance, we would be able to say, well, we can rely on them as much as they can rely on us, and that isn't true. But today, NATO is broken, and the whole world sees it. And one of the main reasons NATO is broken is that Germany one of the most powerful and wealthy members of NATO, has sided with Russia. And they've sided with Russia for reasons of their own, but also because they don't see us as a leader who needs to be followed anymore. And you know the story about the pipeline, right? It used to be that Russia's oil and gas um, traveled to Europe through Poland and Ukraine. And that made Poland and Ukraine important. And then they started building in the Bush administration, they started building or they decided they were going to build an underwater pipeline across the Baltic Sea to, to bring natural gas directly to Germany, bypassing Poland, bypassing Ukraine. And a funny thing happened. The German chancellor left office and immediately became the head of that company, that Russian pipeline company. Just a coincidence, I'm sure. So Germany had made a decision. The Bush administration raised holy hell about it. And um, they understood right away the implications of it. The Obama administration did too, and its vice president named Joe Biden opposed the pipeline. He had opposed it as a senator. When Bush was in office, he opposed it as vice president with Obama. And then Trump came into office, and he put sanctions on all companies involved in the building of the pipeline, and he made it very clear, because he knew that that pipeline was about breaking up NATO. And that's what I think the Ukraine thing is about. It's about breaking up NATO. But this time, President Biden, who apparently doesn't know Vice President Biden or Senator Biden, has abandoned the opposition to that pipeline. He signaled that on day one. He opposes the pipeline in North America that would benefit you and me, but he gave the green light to that one. And you could have done any number of things to put pressure and levers against it. It wouldn't have required a war. We didn't have a war under Bush. We didn't have a war under Obama. But everybody saw the new sheriff and the new policy, and I think Germany said... We, there's no price to pay anymore. There's no penalty for us if we resume these dealings with Russia. So one of the key members of NATO is now working against NATO and with Russia. And this isn't the only place in the world where they're seeing this weakness and this American disconnect. 
And this is only the beginning, of, I think, of the implications of all this. But it would be nice if the people that make these decisions about your sons and daughters could speak about it seriously, not with slogans and sound bites and going on their favorite channels, but be honest. Because to this date, January 28th, we still haven't heard one explanation of why we would send more troops, only that we're not going to send them to fight a land war in Ukraine. That's one thing he's saying they're not going to do. Not saying anything about what they're for. This is the kind of day that I'll bet a lot of people called in. Don't you think? I mean, it started out, it was really gray, and it just didn't look like a day you wanted to get out of bed, right? Oh, it was gloomy looking, wasn't it? And then it turned into this gorgeous day. Beautiful day. And I bet a lot of people called. We're going to talk about that coming up. Calling in to work. And does anybody have, do they even have sick days anymore? Because I know like a lot of companies now, they don't have sick days. They have what they call PTO. They've taken all the fun out of it. PTO. Talk about that. The internet freaked out about this uh, when the president was at the White House yesterday with Justice Breyer, who looked like he had been basically dragged into his resignation <laughs> announcement. He didn't look happy to be there. But anyway, um, it was kind of a weird moment. I don't know if you saw this or not. He's, he's in the White House. The president's in the White House alongside Justice Breyer, and he announces that uh, President Biden announces he's not going to take any questions, which is no longer a surprise. And then he turns and he hands his face mask to Breyer. And Breyer looks at it and then sticks it in his pocket. And everybody's like, well, what is the science of that? Why would you hand your mask to Justice Breyer? What was the, what was the thinking of that? But that might not have been Biden's mask. It might have been Breyer's mask that he left on the platform or something. I don't know. So it's kind of, kind of weird. Um, so here's how they're spinning this now. Um, you know, we talked yesterday about the president basically setting aside the Supreme Court seat for an African American woman. It's a set aside. It's a, it's, it's saying, we won't consider the most qualified person. We won't consider qualified people unless they are African-American women. And Bill Crystal, who now carries water for uh, Joe Biden like he works for, uh, you know, Sparklets, he, uh, he says, um, what about, it's always what about, right? What about when Trump announced that he was limiting his Supreme Court picks to a list of judges named by the Federalist Society. You know, these guys make it so easy, I almost feel guilty even swinging at the pitch. This, but what about Trump, is almost always followed by something idiotic. And this one is really idiotic. Bill Crystal used to be kind of a smart guy. The people named by the Federalist Society could be any gender could be any uh, race, and were. President Biden is judging his candidates by their color and their gender, not by their ideology, their outlook. You, 
you can't see the difference between those two? You, you don't know that those are two totally different approaches? Trump's approach was more like what most presidents have done. They've said, this is the kind of judge I'm looking for. These are, this is the caliber. These are the qualities. This is the preparation or the background I'm looking for. That's normal. This is not. And then a friend of mine last night, don't you love it when you haven't heard from somebody in years, but they decide to troll you on some political issue? No, how are you? How's your family? Are you doing okay? So I hear from somebody I haven't heard from in years. Again, not not too bright. And she says, well, what about when Reagan... (laughs) I'm like, whoa, we're going all the way back to Reagan now. What about when Reagan committed to naming a woman to the Supreme Court? And that's true. Reagan... Uh, promised that he would name the first woman of the United States Supreme Court, and he did. His first, I believe it was his first uh, appointment to the bench, was Sandra Day O'Connor, and that made history at the time. There had never been a woman. Can you really not see the difference between saying, I'm going to draw a candidate from half of the human race versus I'm only going to consider a candidate who is African-American and woman. Which means that you couldn't not name the next Ruth Bader Ginsburg. You couldn't name the next Thurgood Marshall. You couldn't name the next Elena Kagan. I mean, do they really not get that? Or are they just pretending not to get it? How would you like your political position to be? I have to pretend I'm dumber than I really am. They chose him, not me. Uh, This doesn't look good. Uh, Quinnipiac poll in Georgia says 34% of black voters in Georgia now believe it will be somewhat or very difficult to vote this year. Now there's an upcoming gubernatorial race between Stacey Abrams and Brian Kemp. Right now, that's a one-point race. Kemp leads Stacey Abrams by one point. There's a Senate race. Senator Raphael Warnock is trailing Herschel Walker by one point in that race. Georgia's going to be very close. Georgia's now a swing state. Georgia is the new Florida. So what does it mean if a third of black voters in Georgia have come to believe, and I don't blame them, it's it's all they've heard around the clock, have come to believe it will be very difficult or somewhat difficult to vote. What do you think that means? Well, it could mean that they won't vote. Are you discouraging them from voting? That would be a major backfire. Or does it mean they're going to be even more determined to vote? Like if somebody told you, it's going to be hard for you to vote. Maybe your reaction to that or your the way you would take that is, well, the hell with them. I'm You just watch. So the Democrats have spent a year convincing Georgia voters that if they're black, it will be nearly impossible for them to vote. And now it looks like that's really taking root. They're, they're starting to believe it. Only 10% of white voters think it will be difficult for them to vote in the fall elections. So I I think it comes down to, do people believe it will be so hard to vote that you shouldn't bother, or that it will be hard to vote and therefore it's all the more important to show up? 
In which case, I guess maybe it's a genius strategy. By the way, there is a subtle difference. There's a lot of whataboutism here, too. Well, what about when Trump said... I, I would just point out, when Trump was saying all the stuff he was saying about 13 months ago, he was saying, if you vote, your vote won't get counted. He discouraged Republican voters by suggesting not that it would be hard for them to vote, but that the vote counting was fraudulent. And I think he was wrong, but it doesn't matter because they believed him. And fewer Republicans voted in January of 2021 than had voted in November of 2020 in Georgia. So that's a different message than telling people. See, the Democrats aren't telling people there's going to be an issue with the counting of your vote. They're telling them there's going to be an issue with you getting to vote. How do you think that will break? Consider this. Um, exhibit A. The president comes out this week and, and does a, a racial set-aside for um, the Supreme Court vacancy. He is saying, without saying it, that if you are a qualified Hispanic judge or Native American or Alaska Native or Asian or Native Hawaiian or Pacific Islander or white, you need not apply. We don't want your kind. Get to the back of the line. And then Exhibit B. The year of messaging about Jim Crow and voter suppression now means that an increasing number of African-American voters in Georgia believe they will be interfered with. They will be held back from or prevented or made it'll be made difficult for them to vote. There's no... There's no apparent evidence of this. And they voted in record numbers in the last election. When I hear people talk about the Jim Crow laws, and, and, and they're before my time, but I, I, I've read about them, I've heard people talk about them. I keep noticing a little bit of a flaw in that comparison. The so-called Jim Crow laws were not everywhere. They were in the Deep South. It wasn't the whole country. It was a handful of states. This is actually much worse. This is national political figures. I mean, we didn't have a Jim Crow president. We didn't have a Jim Crow Senate majority leader or a Jim Crow, you know what I mean? These are national figures, people with national political platforms, putting out this propaganda and, and apparently with some success. And what do you think that's doing? I mean, what do you think that's doing to people? And how, how is that changing people? Maybe this Quinnipiac poll is an outlier. Maybe they got it wrong or it's a fluke. That's really something if people are actually starting to believe it. You know, it would be one thing to say it because you think saying it has some political value or shock value. But what if people really do believe that? I, I don't think I'll be allowed to vote when I show up in November. I don't think they'll let me vote. I think there's people that are going to block me from voting. 210-599-5555. And again, what is the message to the American family? 
when you have such an obvious set aside. And please don't, don't, don't bring up, well, what about this and what about that? You're insulting our intelligence. This is the first. What does that do? You know, I can't help but think one thing it does is it stokes resentment. I mean, you and I are never going to be nominated for the Supreme Court. We're not up for that job. That isn't something on our radar screen. But but I think there's a very common experience a lot of people in our society have had where they were up for a job in their field, in their line of work. Oh, they were up for something maybe through their education, like a scholarship or a position at a school that only had so many slots for the incoming class. And, you know, when you when you get the letter that you didn't get in, when you get the letter that you didn't get hired, when you get the letter that says you're not being called back for another interview, everybody's different. Some people are, you know, glass half full kind of people. Well, I'm proud to have been considered or I'll try harder next time. Some people get bitter or discouraged, and, and I'm not judging. But I think increasingly people have wondered, was this really about the best person, or did I not check the right box? And so we have the phenomenon of people trying to figure out, how can I position myself? What can I play up about myself? I had a relative who used to make sure he mentioned everywhere he went that he was 116th Native American. And, and and I knew him, and and that meant nothing to him. That wasn't part of his personality. He didn't he didn't do anything with that, except he always thought that might be an advantage in getting a job. We've 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 taught people to play these games, and I think it trickles down. So again, it's not that we're all up for consideration for the Supreme Court, but it trickles down, to use their phrase. Two ten five nine nine fifty five. 55. Tell me what you think. And, um, you know, I, I, I hope that the, I would like to think and I hope that, um, everybody who wants to vote votes. I think it's a pretty putrid thing to lie to people and tell them they're not going to be able to vote or they're going to be blocked or they're going to be prevented. Um, I'm old enough to remember when get out the vote simply meant encouraging people to vote. There was no scare component to it. Now there is. I guess they got tired of the old-fashioned way of doing it, just encouraging people to vote. Or or how about, how about the really old-fashioned way of getting people to vote? Uh, giving them good choices. That gets out the vote. You know, you want more people to vote? Give them a good thing to vote for, a good person to vote for. Give them somebody they're excited about, somebody who's, who who strikes them as historically excellent. Wow, I really would love to have this person be our governor or represent us. I'm, I'm stoked about this man or this woman. That's get out the vote. Oh, no, 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 Jack, we don't. Where have you been? That doesn't work anymore. 210-599-5555, jack at ktsa.com, and Steve is on the radio on 550 and 107.1 KTSA. Steve, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jack. Um, it's hard to listen to the widow, Dominique, and not not tear up. It really was difficult. Uh, I'm, about the uh, Supreme Court pick, uh, I think the Democrats, when they – 
cheated the 2020 election and stole the votes and stole the White House. And they did all that to put someone like Brandon and Kamala into the White House shows that they they don't really care about our country and all of her people. They'll do whatever it takes and put the country and, and the people of the country last. And when, when Brandon comes out and says he's only going to choose a black woman, it speaks volumes about what he thinks about the Supreme Court and the importance of it. He doesn't, he's not interested in the country and the people. He's not interested in what's best for the Supreme Court, what's best for justice, what's best for the American people in America. He's interested in what's, what's going to make him look mm-hmm. best and going to garner, garner the most polls. But I think he should, he should choose RuPaul as a Supreme Court uh, nominee because if you, if you watch the commercials, if you just see the commercials, you will see that that exemplifies, according to Hollywood, no. that exemplifies and personifies perfectly what they think. A, the, he, RuPaul, and all the other men on the show well, you know, you make a you make an interesting point. In this day and age, the word "woman" doesn't have to be taken literally. I hadn't thought of that before. He he could nominate a man and say, "This is a judge who identifies as a woman." I had not I had not thought of that. But I also listening to you, Steve. I was thinking. I wonder. You mentioned Kamala Harris. I wonder if I wonder if she was chosen under the same criteria that the president has announced for his Supreme Court justice. And here's what I mean by that. She is proving to be a disastrous choice for vice president. I mean, it's not just people that didn't vote for Joe Biden or aren't Democrats who are acknowledging that. She's she's, She's a train wreck. It's not good when people are comparing you to the Julia Louis Dreyfus fictional character in Veep. Veep was supposed to be you know, theater of the absurd. Oh, this could never happen. It's happening. Is she the vice president because she's an African-American woman? Because it sure doesn't look like she brings to the table any obvious qualifications, talents. She doesn't even have, like, political skills where you could say, well, boy, she's great with a crowd, or, boy, she really knows how to fire him up. You know, none of that. So it's almost like he showed us how this works with his VP pick. And um, I hope, you know, for the sake of the country, I hope it's a, it's, it works out better for the Supreme Court. 210-599-5555. Teresa is on KTSA. Hi, Teresa. Hi, Jack. I wanted to, to talk and discuss about the nominee for the Supreme Court. What is Joe Biden thinking? Is he using uh, everything... Uh, picking a black woman because he just wants the black vote or is it because uh she's a woman um i have been wanting to talk about this particular issue with a morning person as trey ware but i didn't have a chance to but um i don't think he's looking at it as a right i mean we need to pick somebody who is who is going to be not to say that these women are not intelligent but somebody who is going to be mutual to the discussion that's going to be open to the things that come up in the Supreme Court and, and not necessarily a black person. Well, it would. Somebody who has the qualifications. Yeah, and but what you're saying, though, would make more sense if those were groups of voters that Democrats have trouble with, but they don't. 
you you mentioned African American voters and uh, and and women voters. Those are very strong groups for Democratic candidates, including President Biden. So you may be right, but doesn't it seem odd that that would be the reason? I mean, you'd almost say, well, by that reasoning, it would be a Republican who would go out of his way or go out of her way to virtue signal uh, to those groups. I, I, I really wonder how much value that even has, because, again, I don't think people are... Uh, I, I think the days of, of voters voting the way they think they're supposed to is starting to leave us. I think those blocks are fraying and breaking down. What do you think? I, I, in other words, I don't think the, the block of women or the block of African-American voters, I don't think it is a block as much as it used to be. And I think it's deteriorating and disintegrating and people are splitting off and peeling off for lots of different reasons. So, yeah, the Exhibit A is the um, the president set aside of the Supreme Court vacancy. Exhibit B is a survey that shows a third of black voters in Georgia believe they will be interfered with or find it difficult to cast their vote. Not only do I not believe that's true, but I believe there's something diabolical about telling them that or convincing them of that. It's really the, it's really the opposite of the civil rights movement. The civil rights movement was go... Go vote. Let your voice ring from the mountaintop. This new message is, they're not going to listen to you. You can't do it. It's rigged. Stay home. You know, I, it's, it's, it really, when you break it down, it's really a very, very destructive, toxic gamble. It might work or it might backfire. Nathan is on 550 and 1071 KTSA. Nathan, welcome to the show. Good afternoon. Hey, Jack. How are you? What do you think about all this? Well, so here's my point. First off, I'd say shame on Biden for doing this, for forcing that nomination to have to be a black and a woman. But here's what here's what I say is, how do you feel as that person? I mean, I'm sure they're going to be excited to be nominated, but how are you going to feel standing up in front of them and knowing I only competed against this group of people? I mean, if I'm a sprinter and I only compete against someone from – wherever i'm not competing against the best and brightest from every race or nationality it just it to me it 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 takes away the glory of actually winning the competition and this person isn't competing against everybody they're competing against basically other black women and i just how excited are you going to be to to be nominated like that to me i i agree take away a lot of the excitement i agree um I, I, I think that's also the case when anyone is conscious of having been chosen for affirmative action uh, or quotas. You have, you have deprived them of the knowledge as well as the feeling that they really were the best. And it, it creates an aura of question around them in other people's minds. Did they get the job because they were the best or did they get the job because they were the right, they checked the right box? I think that's, I, I think that's a, a side effect, but of course politicians don't care about that because this is not about helping people. It's about making themselves look more, you know, more virtuous. But I think you're, I think you're right about that. 210-599-5555. Um, we're just getting word that the president, uh, in stepping off Air Force One, uh, has indicated that U.S. troops are going to Eastern Europe and NATO countries. So we were just saying a little while ago there hasn't been much clarity on why 
8,500 troops have been put on standby, as you heard Secretary Austin say this week. This is, uh, we're just getting this now. The president didn't name specific countries, but said Eastern Europe and NATO countries. We'll be talking more about that as we go along here this afternoon. Uh, another update on the news here in a few minutes, along with Joe, Joe Reinagle Sports. Uh, there's also a big story floating around this afternoon about Tom Brady, so we'll keep you on top of that if there's anything more to that. Uh, talking about the president's Supreme Court vacancy, and Dan is next on 550 and 1071 KTSA. Hi, Dan. Good afternoon, Jack. Um, I was going to start off by saying respectfully I disagree with your your previous caller, and the reason why I do so is, you know, even though it is affirmative action like, you know, those people that agree to be promoted and put in those positions, they don't care they didn't compete against the, the best and the greatest. They just want to take advantage of that situation. Just like oh, I think president. that's. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. No, that you can't say that about everybody. Well, you can't say that about everybody. everybody. You just said it. You said they don't care. They just want to get the promotion. That may be true of some people. That isn't true of everybody. Do you know that about everybody? Okay, what I meant what I meant is this instance. But you don't even know who the nominee is. How can you say that you know that's what they're thinking? Okay, but then you're making an assumption as well. No, I'm not. You're the one making the assumption. I'm not making any assumptions okay. at all. You're the one okay. saying okay. the person okay. who benefits from this set aside. Let me finish the. Let me finish the sentence. Oh, okay. Hang up. Be a coward. You just said the person who benefits from this set aside won't care. The previous gentleman, I believe Nathan, said some people do care about that, and he's right. Now, people are different. It takes all kinds. Thirty-one flavors. But you can't say that no one who's ever been in that position, and I know this isn't true because I've, I've known people who felt this way, who felt that their achievement, their accomplishment, their diploma, their hiring, their promotion was diminished by either the knowledge or the perception that they got it for being a certain race or being a certain gender or because there was a diversity goal. So we do actually rob people of an opportunity when we when we pit people against each other in this atmosphere you you may be right that there are some people who wouldn't care i agree with that you can't say no one would care none of them will care i'm sorry to jump down your throat but i think that's a very ugly you know kind of broad brush thing to say about all people but see this is where we're at now this is where we're at we should be, when a, a person is nominated to the high court, we should be hearing about their record. We should be hearing about their accolades and achievements. We may disagree with them ideologically because it's not our administration or our party in power or whatever. That's going to happen. Half the country is going to feel that way. But, um, but now we have taken this highest court in the land thing and reduced it to just one more um, virtue-signaling moment for an over-the-hill politician with his own racially checkered past. And Cody on Facebook made a good point. you got to remember that almost everything Joe Biden does is probably in part motivated by his own guilty conscience because he has a terrible personal record uh, on race. On the JR poll, powered by Stevens Roofing, have you used an at-home COVID test 
survey done by the Kaiser Family Foundation found that 62% who've tried to get an at-home coronavirus test in the past month have had difficulty. 38% said they found it easy. Uh, the numbers are reversed for um, in-person tests. So at-home tests are the new hotness. Uh, going to some place and getting tested is old and broken. Uh, but apparently that's easier right now than the at-home testing. I haven't done the at-home test, um, and I haven't had one. I haven't. But I guess, I mean, I guess, I guess when I went and got tested and found out I had COVID, it was kind of. I felt like it was do-it-yourself because I went to a drive-up and they handed me the swab, and they said, "You know where you can shove this," and I said, "I've heard that before." I, I said, "You must know what I do for a living." 210-599-5555. All right. Um, we're talking about the Supreme Court set aside, uh, of President Biden and the, uh, survey of Georgia voters. And Leo is next on 550 and 107.1 KTSA. Leo, good afternoon. Hey, what's going on? So, um, you know, I, as a former, you know, Democrat voter, I voted for Obama first term, not second. It's not about race for me. What, what, what it is for me is I see the hypocrisy in this, you know, they're constantly screaming uh, about uh, race and 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 uh, and uh, what is it like uh, inequality? But in the same time, then they're like, "Oh, but in order to qualify for us to be successful, you need to be black," and that's that's where it's wrong, you know. Where's where's my Latino? Where's my Latino electorals? You know, where where, mm-hmm. where are they? Mm-hmm. And that, that's that's where I feel like it's unfair. It's not so much unfair. I feel like it's like. Well, you did it, so now it's our turn, and and that's not how it should be. It should be based on qualifications and just love for America, you know. And people are like, "Well, if you're a Republican, you don't, you know, you're for the rich." And it's it's not about that anymore. I don't feel like it. It is anymore. It's more like, you know, Democrats need to want to help the world, and Republicans want to help America, you know. And conservatives. Are, are trying to do the same thing, and and, and liberals are, are more concerned about your sex and your race than they are about your qualifications or just being, you know, proud to be American. I think we were on the right track when we were trying to get our heads around the idea that we should see each other as individuals, and that was a big thing. You know, that that came out of the '60s. Uh, there was a slogan: "Count as one." And and that was the whole message of the '60s, right? Be an individual. Don't be a conformist. Don't go with the crap. And 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 you know, be your own person. And and we're supposed to, right? And we're and we're supposed to see each other that way. I, I if I meet you, Leo, I'm supposed to meet you as you are, not as part of a group or a hyphenated American. But when we got away from that, I think it's been all backwards and 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 going in the wrong direction ever since then and i you know when you said what you said about it feels like uh two wrongs don't make a right that was we quoted sean uh sean lennon john lennon's son sean ono lennon who is uh i follow on twitter and who has some pretty far out there opinions on some things but i do agree with him on this he says the best definition of wokeism is you have to believe two wrongs make a right and when you were a little, little, little kid, someone told you not to do that, that that wasn't right. Two wrongs do not make a right. We are unlearning lessons we learned. And I come from 
I'm I'm what they call the uh, right on the cusp of Generation X. I was born in the first year of Generation X. Our generation got this. We were we were right in the sweet spot for this. Content of your character, not color of your skin. Don't see the color of the other person. See who they are. And it, it's it sickens me that we're undoing that. And it sickens me that my daughter's generation has never known a world where the color of your skin, the hyphenation of your ethnicity, the gender is everything. You'd be crazy not, if you're one sixteenth Native American, you'd be crazy not to tell the college that. You'd be crazy not to put that on the application. Don't you want to get an edge? Don't you want to get an advantage? That's what we're doing now. And I, I think if Joe Biden had never made this promise and had nominated Judge Jackson, who is the most likely nominee for the Supreme Court vacancy, who is an outstanding jurist, who is, in fact, somebody that was just confirmed by 53 senators last year to the federal bench, it would be more of an honor for Judge Jackson to now be selected. But because he diminished it and reduced it for some cheap pandering, because cheap pandering is Joe Biden's stock and trade, in the name of equity, we're not uplifting minorities, we're, we're, we're stomping on them. We're trampling them. And it will be impossible for some people to see Judge Jackson, and again, she's the most likely nominee, it will be impossible for some people to see her as qualified because they will have been signaled by the politicians that she only needed one qualification. Well, two, right? J.D. writes to Jack at KTSA.com. Loved that last caller, Leo. Telling it like it is. So, Leo, you got a fan. I liked your call, too. You two fans. Uh, Mark writes to Jack at KTSA.com regarding the Supreme Court pick. To me, this would be like telling a friend they're the smartest black person you know. Whew. Wow. Or, or to be even more, put even a finer point on it. You know something? You're the smartest black woman I know. They would look at you like, what, what did you just say to me? 210-599-5555. I keep hoping that this is so outlandish and not the way real people relate to each other that it's just becoming more and more clear. I, I, I'm not, I'm not here to get one party or the other an advantage. I just want you to know how out of whack and out of touch they all are with you. You, you, the more we can get people aware of that, the happier I'll be. And then you'll do whatever you'll do with that. But that's what we need to do. We need to let people know that these, these creatures, in Washington, in Austin, they do not get you and where you live in the real world. 210-599-5555. This was funny. Jesse Waters has a new primetime show on Fox, and um, he had on the leader of a, I guess this was a, I think it was a Reddit group. It's an anti-work movement. The anti-work movement is what we've talked about before, this new philosophy that, um, work is not a virtue. Work is a failing. Work is a weakness. Work is greed. 
not wealth, work. So he interviewed this um, leader of an anti-work group called Doreen. And this thing, you talk about the cheese sliding off the cracker in an interview. Um, it, it didn't go well for the anti-work movement. Take a listen to this. How many hours is, is you know, a solid work day in, in your ideal right. society? Uh Sure. I mean, I think as much as people want, I mean, I personally uh, work, I have, I have like a 20, 25 hour work weeks, which I think is fairly good. Um, so I would like less work hours. Um, and what I do you do, Doreen? Feel, uh, I'm a dog walker. A dog walker. Okay. Yes. And how, uh, yeah, so how I old are you, me- if you don't mind me asking? Sure. I'm 30. You're 30. Okay. And is there something you want to do besides being a dog walker? Do you aspire to do anything more than dog walking, or is that kind of your your pinnacle? Uh, I, I love working with dogs. If I had to do this for the rest of my life, you know, I wouldn't be super complaining. You know, dogs are wonderful animals. Uh, but I'm, I would love to teach. Uh, I would love to um, teach. You know, uh, work with work with people and well, stuff like that. What would that. you yeah. teach, Dorian? Uh, a philosophy mostly, philosophy. just instruction, philosophy, critical thinking, reason, stuff like that. Okay. Well, I would love to take your class, Doreen. I would just be taking notes the whole time. And you know what? A professor is a very similar schedule than something that you're imagining. So I think that actually might, might work perfectly for you. Listen, uh, I think this might not be the greatest idea, but who am I to judge? To each their own, they say. It's a free country. Oh, man. Okay. Um, 20 to 25 hours a week with a dog is called owning a dog. I mean, I'm doing that now. So I'm based, apparently I have his career now. In fact, I think I'm doing more than that. I may be, I may be in overtime. I may be in an overtime situation with my dog. I, again, I, I, I w- I'm not talking about people that are, are ill. Um, have a disability, are recovering from something. I'm not talking about people that are s- scraping and trying to find something. And they ha- I'm talking about the new philosophy that work or working a lot is not virtuous. It is not. Like, you and I remember when one of the highest compliments you could pay to a person was he or she is a really hard worker. In the anti-work movement, that's that's a negative. Because to work is to be selfish. To work is to risk catching COVID and giving it to other people. And we did this during the pandemic. We taught people. We preached at people. Don't work. Really? I should stay home? Yeah, stay home. Staying home is heroic. Heroic. So this is what you know, this is where we're at. Now I'm not trying to oversimplify, but I mean there's gonna come a point where we're gonna face something and it's gonna be all hands on deck. I don't know if it'll be a war or what it'll be. Maybe the aliens will land. I don't know. But I, I worry about a society where we have trained people to not leave their living room. I really shouldn't. But they need you. No, I, I just don't believe in it. Don't believe in what? I don't believe in work. 
Don't get me wrong. When I was a teenager, I didn't believe in work either, but I was corrected. Do you remember that? Corrected on that. 210-599-5555. What do you think of this? Um, Flint, Michigan. The schools have decided to stick with remote learning indefinitely. Indefinitely. There is no plan. There is no date. There is no target date or goal for getting kids back in the classrooms in Flint, Michigan. I guess they could just sell the the school buildings, right? Knock them down or put malls up or put something else up. Now, I I believe, I want to be clear, I don't want to be a hypocrite, I believe in local control. I don't live there. This is what the people of Flint want. This is what the people of Flint should get. But what are they looking at that is different from what the rest of us are looking at? I mean, everything else we've seen about distance learning is it's academically deficient, but worse, it's a, it's a disaster in the lives of, of children. I, I, I can't imagine, like, what are they thinking? What's going on there? What are they, what, what statistics or data are they looking at that's different from what the rest of the country, the conclusion the rest of the country has drawn about distance learning? But there you go. And again, if that's, if that is what they want, and if they don't throw all of their school board people out on their ear in the next election, that will be what they want, then I guess they should try it. I guess they should do it. I feel sorry for those kids. I really do. Jack Riccardi, 4 till 7, News Talk 550, KTSA, and FM 1071. Beans and cornbread had a fight. Beans knocked cornbread out of sight. Cornbread said, now that's all right. Meet me on the corner tomorrow night. Well, let me be the first to say, thank God it's Friday. You probably have already said that today. Welcome to The Dish. This hour of the show is called The Dish because it's a little bit different. We're going to be talking about your most recent restaurant experience where you have most recently gone out to eat or driven through or had it delivered or took it to go. We're talking about any kind of restaurant anywhere in or around San Antonio, anywhere you could drive to, you know, from San Antonio. So we're talking about all these different kinds of restaurants, any kind of price, Special occasion, fast food, place you just discovered or a place you've been going to for a long time. I want to hear about it just the way you would tell a friend or a coworker about that place. You'd tell them it was great. You'd tell them why. You'd say, this is what you've got to order when you go. This is the best thing. Try this first. That's what we do on The Dish. We're taking your calls on that right now at 210-599-5555. You can praise... Or zing. As you hear me say, you have to be able to take a punch or throw a punch for the children. For the children. Wait a minute, are we punching children? What? Oh. 210-599-5555. As we get to your calls on the dish, we'll also get any last-minute votes in the JR poll, because we're all about counting every vote, and we'll have the results on the JR poll right before 7 o'clock, right at the end of our show and our week. And I have either the best news or the worst news, depending upon how you feel about me. I will be in for Sean Rima first part of next week. So I'll probably just ruin some people's weekends. 
Just thought you should know now. Just get ready. 210-599-5555. We're talking restaurants on the dish. you got to love politicians, right? I mean, you're, you have a productive day. If you feel good about today, if you had a productive day at work, you got things done, you know, you sold things, you serviced your customers, you met your whatever, your budget. Florida, the Florida legislature, this week debated and passed a resolution to make strawberry shortcake the official state dessert. And what's weird is Florida already has a state pie, key lime pie, right, obviously. Why couldn't that also be the dessert? Strawberry shortcake is the official dessert. So what is key lime pie, like an entree? Got to love politicians. That's their week. Way to go. <laughs> Rest up from that hard work. All right, 210-599-5555. We're talking restaurants. We're going to start with, let's start with Sean on KTSA. Hi, Sean. Happy Friday. Hey, happy Friday. I went to Bow Post a couple, a few days ago. My mother was visiting from Germany and Oh, you know, we just, the best kind you, of okay, you, hold, hold on, Sean, Sean, hold on. You're dropping out on us. Can you say the name of where you went again? Camp Outpost. Oh, Camp Outpost. Okay. You're kind of cutting in and out on me, so we may lose you, but go ahead. Yeah, barbecue place, best barbecue, like fall off the bone, everything, but they just do hmm. things a little bit better. So, like, their chicken, they do a rotisserie chicken, and then they finish it off, like, searing it on all the sides to get it crispy. And then wow. uh, their fried chicken sandwich and all their sides, right? They're not just doing, like, the usual typical beans and rice and stuff. They got – their sides are awesome, like charred uh, 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 Brussels sprouts and all kinds of cool stuff. It is really, really good. A plus. Wow. I, I, I don't I, – if they haven't gotten a Michelin star already, they're going to. They are so good. Wow. Where are they? Uh, they're in the Southtown area, like uh, Alamo Street, I think. Okay. It looks like it's 1811 yeah. South Alamo. Does that sound right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Is it kind of near the is it kind of near the Gunther? Is it is it kind of over by that area? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh not quite in that area. It's it's closer to there's uh the uh pub, there's a uh that public works area. I forgot. Um like sheriff department in that that sort of area. Okay. And it's called Camp Outpost. Is it a big place or a small Camp place Outpost. or it's small. I it, it, you come in, you order right at the at the at the table. I, I I don't know. I don't know. It's maybe not even not even a thousand square feet. It's a small place. Okay. I like their yeah, website. It says it, it, the website says roast toast boast. They are great. the 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 way to describe it is like you know all those uh, like those Austin hipsters that they do something interesting, right? That those are the people who are running it. So it's kind of <laughs> different, but they're. <laughs> They're good food. The food is really good. Awesome. Well, I'm glad you called on that, Sean. I, I hope we don't have to bring people down from Austin just to do things that are awesome, but I'm glad we found out about it. Camp Outpost, 1811 South Alamo. First time call on the dish praise for Camp Outpost, 1811 South Alamo. That does sound cool. I can't believe I never heard of that before. 210-599-5555 on the dish. We're taking your calls. Praise or zing your most recent restaurant experience. And Chuck is on the radio on KTSA. Happy Friday night, Chuck. 
hey, happy Friday night. Yeah. So uh, actually, the closest one I, the one I was just at tonight was uh, Turcotte's Meat and Deli up in uh, uh, Dripping Springs, and they have the best Philly steak and cheese in the world. Um, crazy good. What's what's but the name of it again? I'm sorry, could you could you say the name Tur- of it again? Yeah, Turcotte, T-U-R-C-O-T-T-E, Turcotte uh, Meat and Deli, and okay. that's on. Um, uh, Mercer, Mercer Road in Dripping Springs. And uh, I've uh, looked for a Philly steak and cheese that has been as good as the one that I got in Philadelphia and have yet to find one, but I hit it tonight. Absolutely wow. insane. So it says uh, 1400 South Congress, and then it says 100 Commons Road. In Dripping Springs, like if you if you were directing somebody from here, if you were giving them directions like we used to do in the old days, how would you tell them to get there? Well, I came up from San Marcos, so I'd come up, uh, go through Wimberley, and basically just take it all the way up till it hits two ninety, and uh, and then go through the light to the next light, and that's Mercer. Turn right, and it's about a block on your left. Uh, Pretty simple to find. Uh, what 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 would be like? I'm not trying to I'm not trying to pin you down. I'm just trying to get a sense of like for people that want to find it. Is there a landmark or something yeah. big that it's near? Or um, if if somebody was probably coming on 290 from out of Austin, uh, they're probably on the west end of Dripping, and they would be coming up to um, uh, 290, which is the main drag that goes to Wimberley. And it's actually just before, uh, it's actually the street just before 290, uh, which is Mercer. Uh, there's a big HEB on the left and a Lowe's uh, right next to it. So okay. it's, um, yeah, it'd be about probably three or four miles uh, past uh, Deep Eddie's the vodka. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. So past so it, it going west on, on 290. Pardon me? So you you said it would be past Deep Eddy Vodka, meaning going west on 290. That's correct. And okay. I'd say probably four or five mile, if that. And okay. uh, you, if if they go past uh, uh, that, uh, I want to say it's 46. I think that's what goes through Wimberley. But if they go past that, they've gone too far. So, okay. yeah. That's it's, good. Uh, that's good. It's off of Mercy. Yeah, but. The actual restaurant Excellent. I was calling about was... Whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait a minute. You've got another one? Yeah, the one that was closest to San Antonio, because that's what I thought I was getting <laughs> Okay, hold on, hold on. So, hold, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, hold on. Let me just finish this one, okay? So yeah. this one is Turcotte, because people are listening, Chuck. They're trying to write this down. We can't, you know, we can't blow by it. So Turcotte Butchers oh, yeah. and Delicatessen... And it, it it sounds like the best thing to do is just put it in your nav and let your phone lead you to it. But it is just off two ninety, yeah. kind of near the kind of near the business district uh, in Dripping Springs. Looks like there's a Whataburger yeah. and a Lowe's right nearby, and it's called Turcotte yeah. Butcher. Okay, so that's the one in Dripping Springs. Yeah. Now you say you also have one another one that you want to mention. Yeah, it's a Spring Creek Cafe mm-hmm. um, on off of forty uh, six. Um, it would be east, about three miles east of 35. 
um, on right on 46, and it's in Spring Creek, which looks like it's a little little village, you know, outside of New Braunfels. But I would guess they consider it New Braunfels. But it's called Spring Creek Cafe, and this is the uh, the home for great fried catfish and shrimp. And the onion rings are to die for. Uh, it's is that definitely is I'm sorry is that definitely the name of it because when I put that in Google it comes up as Clear Springs. Clear Springs, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's forgive me. Clear Springs Cafe. That's it. Okay. That's yeah. Exactly and that, that's right. yeah, that's Clear a very well-known yeah, that's a very well-known place on Highway 46. Yeah. Well, I was uh, it was a newbie. I've only been in the area here a couple of years, so okay. uh, I'm still hunting for good restaurants. Good. And I you found a good up. one. Yeah. No, you found a really oh, good man, one. That's, that's legendary. But at least I got Tricot out there. I think anybody <laughs> likes great sandwiches. Okay. Get it up. All right. Chuck, thank you very much. Um, yeah, please please know the name of it. Please know where it is. I, I, you know, that's all I ask. Because people are hanging on your every word when you call in on these places, especially if you're if you're praising them. Now, I gotta I gotta lay down the law a little bit here. Okay, you gotta know the name of the restaurant. We gotta have that. It doesn't help anybody if you're recommending a place and you don't have the right name. And then, please, one just one restaurant per call. It's just one. I know you. I know everyone has more than one they want to talk about, and that's why we do this every week. And Gloria is next on the dish at 210-599-5555. Hi, Gloria. Hi, Jack. How are you doing? I'm glad to be able to recommend this place that I uh, was there for two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. The place is called Tio Stepis Osteria. It's here in San Antonio on 9910 West Loop 1604 North, Unit 123. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. an Italian restaurant. My favorite place was the pesto pasta it was delicious amazing i've traveled to italy several times these guys know how to make italian food wow um so what um if i remember that place correctly and you can tell me if i've got it wrong or i'm mixing it up it's a pretty big place isn't it uh it's it's it has a good size. They're, the manager was telling us that they're going to uh, expand. They they they're going to to rent the next door um, um, place, and they're going to open a bar, Italian oriented bar drinking style. Um, but yeah, nice. Well, it's always good to hear about a restaurant that's actually going to expand because we we hear the other thing. Um, all too often, and is that? Uh, do, you, do you know? Is that off the Braun exit, off sixteen oh four? Yes, sir. That's the one. Okay, Tiu Steppi's Osteria. It, they just bought it from the from a new owner. Bought it like two years ago when COVID hit, and yeah, they they just they just like they're surviving because their food is amazing. That's great. Try, so you said try the pesto pasta. Pesto pasta. I'm pregnant. And I told them, I told them it's really good. They offered me, and they even gave me some pesto sauce to take home. Oh, okay. When you when you said you were pregnant for a minute, I thought you were attributing that to the pesto pasta. But you're just oh, saying, no. okay, all right, all right. I got a little confused there for a minute. All right. I got so to, is that I like to take home some pesto because I'm pregnant? <laughs> so are you having like? Is that like your craving right now? Is that you know how when you're pregnant you have cravings? Is that your craving at the moment? 
No, not right now. But that day I was like, this is so delicious. And they, they said, well, oh, okay. we can ask the chef if, if you can take some home. And yeah. They gave That's nice. To take home. Yes. Very, Very good. Nice. Well, I hope your pregnancy goes great. And I hope you have a wonderful weekend. I enjoyed talking to you. And, and thank you, Gloria. Praise for Tio Steppis, Osteria. Yeah, they, I, I, I don't remember their names, but the people that opened that had another restaurant in that same center called Two Step. And I don't know what happened to that place, but when they opened the Italian place, they gave it kind of the play on words name. And, um, I guess now it has new owners. So very good. Uh, Bron- the, the brass, right? We've got a praise for the pregnancy, too. Uh, maybe it's twins. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, the Braun exit off 1604. That's a big center. Um, and uh, the actual, uh, if you're putting it into your nav, it's 9910 West Loop 1604. All right. 210 599 5555. And Pat is on the dish on a Friday night. Happy Friday, Pat. Thank you. Hi. Um, I wanted to talk about Garris Tamales. Um, it's on 6563 Babcock. And you know how in San Antonio you'll be driving on one road and then it becomes another road? It's like a block before Babcock becomes Desavala. Oh, okay. And it's their pork tamales that are the best pork tamales I've ever tasted. They are so fabulous. Wow. Um, it's a new place, and um, they've just been open like a month or two. And the, um, he, the, I was talking to the owner today, and he said that they are um, next week will be start offering burritos, and so we'll see how those are. And they're supposed to also have menudo. Their flour tortillas are delicious. Um, it's not a sit-down restaurant. You just come in and pick up the food. You read my mind. I was just going to ask you that because so many, uh, you know, tamale places are set up that way where you can only, you can only pick them up and that's it. So is it, um, G U E R A S? G U E R A apostrophe S. Apostrophe S. Okay. 65, 63 Babcock. Yeah. I'm looking at a picture of it. It does look like a pretty small place. So just get them Uh, and go. uh, The shopping center, I think, is called The Point. The point. Very good. All right, Pat, you're on. You're on point. You did, you got it all in there. I appreciate it. Good call. Thank you, and you have a good weekend. Praise for Gara's tamales. Sixty-five, sixty-three, Babcock. Right before Babcock becomes De Zavala, and yes, that is a San Antonio thing where the street just changes name on you all of a sudden. I know people like that. Do you? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's possible that I have played more B.B. King than anybody on the radio. I mean, who else can say I play B.B. King every day for years? Years and years and years and years and years. Kind of proud of that. May not be true, but in my mind it is. All right, 210-599-5555. The results on the JR poll are coming up this half hour, and your call's on the dish, and we'll remember 36 years ago... And Wayne is on KTSA on the dish. Wayne, happy Friday. 
Happy Friday to you too. How you doing? Good, thank you. I'm calling about Aspen Creek Grill. It's at Bandera in 1604. Thumbs up big time. Oh, yeah. What did you have there? I had the chili rub pork chops, and my sides were mac and cheese and a green chili hatch uh, cheese and grits, and everything was excellent, sides and the pork chops. Well, hatch chili grits. That does sound good. Yeah. Um, that, that really sounds good. Now, was that thing that you got, was that r- like a regular menu thing, or were those specials, or do you know? Or? No, it was a regular menu item. Nice. Yeah, we haven't had a call on that place. I'm looking here in my notes. It's been a few years since we've had a call on Aspen Creek, so I'm glad to know they're still there. They're right in that center, uh, just inside 1604, right on Bandera. Yeah. Now, I didn't realize they'd been there that long. I just happened to go over that area. I live way far away from there, but to meet someone for lunch and that's where we decided to go and i don't remember what it used to be before that but i didn't realize i'd been there that long <laughs> yeah no we've, we've been getting calls on it at least uh six years so i don't know if they go back further than that or not but oh, really? great yeah, job probably. wayne thank you praise for aspen creek grill eleven seven nineteen bandera road it's bandera just inside 1604 aspen creek grill 210-599-5555 on the dish and Gennaro is on the dish on KTSA. Happy Friday, Gennaro. Hey, Jack. Happy New Year, man. Uh, first off, man, first off, when do you stop wishing somebody a Happy New Year? I- I've already stopped. <laughs> <laughs> I, quite some time ago, um, I, I think. But when do you stop? I don't know, man. Is it? Can you not stop? Are you not January? able to stop? Is that it? You just can't at help end, yourself. At the or? end of January. At the end of January. Oh, okay. All right. Off, That's man. that seems like a good rule. All right. <laughs> okay, so uh, I'm calling about Goomba's Pizzeria, and it is at the it's at the food court at Crossroads of the Americas Mall or whatever it's called nowadays, and they have excellent pizza, and they hand toss it, and they have this great thin crust um, uh, pepperoni, special sauce. I have gotten I got burned out on Pizza Hut years ago. Years ago, we used to have a place called Godfather's Pizza here in town. Oh yeah, remember um, Godfather's? Daddy's. Uh, uh, Little Caesars has been really, really good, but Goomba's Pizza, they have this sauce, man. And um, I got into an accident. I'm going off on a tangent. I got into an accident a while ago, and I had to go do therapy. And at the therapy, I was like, I have a craving for Goomba's Pizza. So do, hurt and do you think the craving? Like do you think the craving came from the therapy or? I don't know. I know I'm not. I wasn't pregnant previous to the other caller, but yeah, I, I think that's. Go. Yeah, I think you're. I think you're a safe ground there. <laughs> but I had that would be some there. kind of accident if you got pregnant, Gennaro. You know what I'm saying? I wouldn't want to know what you had an accident with. But um, are you okay? Are you doing all right now, though? Seriously, I, I, I'm doing okay. The pizza is great. They have. Um, okay. They have a lot of other stuff, uh, um, different dishes and everything. And the thing is, with Italian food, I'll eat 
the entree, but I can never eat the dessert because when okay. I get home, man, I I, I right. go to sleep. I, I, I understand. Okay. Am I am I wrong with that? But, I mean, am no, I, no, 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 no. But but just to bring you back to Goomba's, so tell me one more time what kind of pizza it is that you're especially crazy about over there. It's the what again? It it it's the thin crust pepperoni, and the thing is, man, they got they got this this little uh, special like deal dipping and, sauce and or like something a, a slice a, a slice and salad and drink but the slice of pizza man it is huge okay, okay. all right but well very good oh, i'm glad you're doing okay and uh happy new year to you too <laughs> all right Gennaro's not pregnant you, he's not with child uh but he is happy about goombas in wonderland of the america's food court on Fredericksburg Road, praise for Goombas in the food court at Wonderland of the Americas. It has had a lot of names. That's the name right now, as of now. On the JR poll, powered by Stevens Roofing, uh, in light of this uh, survey that says people are having a hard time with uh, at-home COVID testing, which is going to be the new thing now. Remember, the government is going to be mailing those out to people. Uh, we asked you, have you used an at-home COVID test? Have you done this? at-home thing with the COVID test, 84% say no. Only 16% yes. Those numbers are probably going to change. 84% no on the JR poll. Well, today is one of those days in American history that if you were alive for it, you will never forget. I mean, I can say that without hesitation. You will remember where you were. You will remember what you were doing when you heard the news about the breakup of the Space Shuttle Challenger as it was taking off from Florida. And um, it was something many Americans saw happen. So it isn't just something we heard about or had replays of. Uh, and, of course, it was a, t- a terrible tragedy. Seven astronauts died in the explosion of the Challenger. That night was going to be the State of the Union speech for President Ronald Reagan. That was canceled. But the president did give an address from the Oval Office, a very brief one, that was so powerful and moving that I wanted to replay it tonight for just the the simplicity of it and the unity messaging of it. So this is President Reagan speaking on the night of January 28th, 1986. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd planned to speak to you tonight to report on the State of the Union. But the events of earlier today have led me to change those plans. Today is a day for mourning and remembering. Nancy and I are pained to the core by the tragedy of the shuttle Challenger. We know we share this pain with all of the people of our country. This is truly a national loss. Nineteen years ago, almost to the day, we lost three astronauts in a terrible accident on the ground. But we've never lost an astronaut in flight. We've never had a tragedy like this. And perhaps we've forgotten the courage it took for the crew of the shuttle. But they, the Challenger 7, were aware of the dangers but overcame them and did their jobs brilliantly. We mourn seven heroes, Michael Smith, Dick Scobie, Judith Resnick, Ronald McNair, Ellison Onizuka, Gregory Jarvis, and Krista McAuliffe. We mourn their loss as a nation together. The families of the seven We cannot bear, as you do, the full impact of this tragedy. But we feel the loss, and we're thinking about you so very much. Your loved ones were daring and brave, and they had that special grace 
that special spirit that says, give me a challenge and I'll meet it with joy. They had a hunger to explore the universe and discover its truths. They wished to serve and they did. They served all of us. We've grown used to wonders in this century. It's hard to dazzle us. But for 25 years, the United States space program has been doing just that. We've grown used to the idea of space and perhaps we forget that we've only just begun. We're still pioneers. They, the members of the Challenger crew, were pioneers. And I want to say something to the school children of America who were watching the live coverage of the shuttle's takeoff. I know it's hard to understand, but sometimes painful things like this happen. It's all part of the process of exploration and discovery. It's all part of taking a chance and expanding man's horizons. The future doesn't belong to the faint-hearted. It belongs to the brave. The Challenger crew was pulling us into the future, and we'll continue to follow them. I've always had great faith in and respect for our space program, and what happened today does nothing to diminish it. We don't hide our space program. We don't keep secrets and cover things up. We do it all up front and in public. That's the way freedom is, and we wouldn't change it for a minute. We'll continue our quest in space. There will be more shuttle flights and more shuttle crews, and yes, more volunteers, more civilians, more teachers in space. Nothing ends here. Our hopes and our journeys continue. I want to add that I wish I could talk to every man and woman who works for NASA or who worked on this mission and tell them your dedication and professionalism have moved and impressed us for decades, and we know of your anguish. We share it. There's a coincidence today. On this day, 390 years ago, the great explorer Sir Francis Drake died aboard ship off the coast of Panama. In his lifetime, the great frontiers were the oceans, and a historian later said he lived by the sea, died on it, and was buried in it. Well, today, we can say of the Challenger crew, their dedication was, like Drake's, complete. The crew of the Space Shuttle Challenger honored us for the manner in which they lived their lives. We will never forget them, nor the last time we saw them this morning, as they prepared for their journey and waved goodbye and slipped the surly bonds of Earth to touch the face of God. Thank you. President of the United States speaking 36 years ago tonight. And that speech in itself was very powerful and well-received. The last lines were quotes, were lines from a poem called High Flight. And in the days that followed, there was renewed interest in that poem. It was written by a young man named John Gillespie McGee. He was an American who had... um, joined the Royal Canadian Air Force in the very early days of World War II. He was a very young man. And uh, the United States was not in the war, but of course the British Empire was. So he went and joined the Royal Canadians and um, had written this poem out of his love and his enthusiasm, his joy at being in the sky, a poem called High Flight. He was killed in a training accident just a few months after joining the Royal Canadian Air Force. He never got to uh, go into battle, but he and another pilot were killed in a, in a mid-air collision. That poem became so 
famous that it was recorded by Orson Welles. It's in the Library of Congress today. It was reprinted numerous times. It was even played um, at the end of the broadcast day on radio and television stations in the 1940s and 50s, and Ronald Reagan reprised it for that speech that he gave 36 years ago tonight. On that note, have a wonderful weekend. I'll see you back on the radio Monday morning and Monday afternoon.